All right, welcome to another episode of the Wisdom Experience podcast. And we are here again, ready for some dynamic conversation, some conversation that hopefully will leave us and you more enlightened than when we started. So what's been going on in your world since we last chatted? Well, Apart from all the craziness you just told me about. I know. <laughs> Off the uh, tape. Tell me the tell me the stuff you didn't tell me. So it's a funny yeah. thing because we we use the sort of first twenty minutes of this to kind of catch up with life, our lives outside of the podcast, I guess. So yeah, so we do end up talking um a lot before I say a lot, we spend the first twenty minutes or so catching up on our lives outside of the podcast. And you told me a bunch of stuff that's probably not ready for conversation on the podcast. So tell me what else has been going on in your world since last we were on tape. So that's a great question. I can't remember if, I I don't think we talked about this when we last recorded, but um, sadly my grandma died last week. And I share that because we're certainly at a life stage, I think, where people, you know, kind of there's there's almost a higher incidence of, of people dying just because of our age. But of course, we're in this situation at the moment with COVID where there's a lot more people um, who are dying than maybe we were expecting. And that's been quite an interesting one. So although my grandma was 97, um, she'd definitely had a, a long innings as it were we weren't she wasn't actually poorly we weren't expecting her to go um but it was clearly her time okay and how are you with sort of death and all that kind of stuff because when you told me that a week ago or whenever it was um i'm never sure how people react to death i think i told you i had a friend who his cat died and and they were just distraught and took off work for a week or so and didn't want to speak to anybody and that was a cat <laughs> so I just I never know I mean I'm quite um all right with the whole sort of death thing um I don't like funerals so I don't ever go to them in fact I don't think I've only ever been to one funeral oh wow uh, and that was my first and last funeral I decided after the first one I was never going to another funeral so I haven't been um yeah so, <laughs> so what will you do, like when somebody you really love dies? Well, pe- people that I really love have died. My mom died a few years back, um, but I didn't go to that funeral. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I don't. Um, yeah, they're not my thing. So I'm kind of almost linking back to our, our rites and rituals yeah. um, kind of thing. And so how do you how do you grieve? How do you? Well, maybe through? I don't. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe I don't. Uh, maybe I don't know how to grieve. Maybe I don't grieve. Maybe in my head it's just like okay, well, you moved on to wherever next we're going, or to nowhere. If I if I put on my existential hat, then it's okay. Well, that's it. We're done. <laughs> Um, or if I put on the other hat that, you know, we get recycled into the cosmic soup and 
go on to do some other thing, um, then that's what happened. I kind of like the, um, at least the second half of a sort of New Orleans thing where it's a, a opportunity to, you know, to celebrate party kind of thing versus just sitting around and wailing and crying and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe maybe my whole world is going to crash when I finally grieve at all these deaths. <laughs> maybe they'll all catch up with me and I'll just collapse into a heap of 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 flesh. <laughs> I'll be curious if that happens. But, yeah, interesting. That is yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so how am I with death was, was obviously your original question. Um, I am... Uh, if I say broadly comfortable with it, um, it's, you know, I, I, any emotion that I feel is kind of is, is that sadness that I won't see that person ever again kind of thing. We won't have interactions in the same way that we have before. Um, they're going to leave a hole in my life, as it were. And, and actually, I mean, since my grandma died, I've heard of um, two more people. Or, or I've been uh, two two more people, two two friends um, have have also died, which is kind of interesting because it's been a very short space of time, and uh, I don't think that any of them were down to COVID. They were under; they did have underlying health problems. The, the two friends, but it's kind of made me, in a way, almost a little bit. Immune's not quite the right word. I I think, I'm hoping, that it is just making me more philosophical. And it's almost kind of hardening my resolve to really think about how I'm living my life and what I'm doing with my life on every level. That seems to be a common thing. I know that when I hear of someone that's youngish or same age as me that die, you, you have to was well, it's, it's a an occasion to pause to think you know have you done everything that you wanted to do in life um have you are you living your life in the way that you want to live and to stop assuming that you got lots of years left because i'm um and i've told this story before i think in a public fashion um i have this reoccurring number that comes up now whether that number comes up just because i'm around that time i'm awake at that time of the morning or not but so coincidentally if there is a such thing as coincidences um i have this thing with the number 550 and it came from i was out hiking with one of my good friends we were in the middle of a hike and he got a text from his mom to say his dad had died and him and his dad were really close it wasn't expected he kind of collapsed in the garden died um and as i was walking back or we were rushing back i mean we were again we were out in the middle of a trail so we were rushing back to get to the car so he could dash off uh, and go tend to things but in the talking um i'd happened at the time they'd been reading john steinbeck's um mm-hmm. travels with charlie and there's this big passage in the beginning of that where he talks about how people are always trying to hang on to um, and start to eat right and all these sort of things to prolong life. And, he, and he's like, yeah, forget that. I lived hard. I'm going to go out living hard. So he was kind of anti all of a sudden try to get 
religion through health near the end. Um, and anyway, somewhere in there, the number that I think I said to my friend that we never know whether we got five minutes or 50 years left to live. And so you have to kind of approach life with that kind of intensity. Um, I think it also reminded me of when the 9-11 happened. Um, and I, I've, I've written about this, I've written an essay on it. Um, where I was watching the program on the survive, not the survivors, but the, you know, the spouses and things of people who died in the, the towers. And one of the ladies said her biggest regret is that she didn't kiss her husband goodbye that morning because she had already put her makeup on and she didn't want to mess up her makeup. So she didn't kiss him goodbye and rushed out. And now she'll never get a chance to kiss him again. Um, and again, it was that like, that wake-up moment that says you just don't know when you're going to go, so live with this intensity. The um, the samurai have this code, Bushido, and part of that is to live as if you're already dead. Um, and it's not a morbid code. It's, it means live your life as, do everything as if it's the last time you're ever going to do it. Um, and that's the kind of passion that you bring to your whole of your life. So, you know, you kiss your spouse in the morning like it's the last time you're ever going to, you know, kiss her or her, him or her. Um, you know, anything that you do, do it as if it's the last time you're going to do. And that's the kind of presence and intensity they have. Because in actuality, any moment, could it could be your last time doing it. So it's that intensity. And that's like, I think, whenever death's, happen um, near me or around me, especially people near my age-ish, or something as sudden, um, then it's, it reminds you that that time when you think, oh yeah, I'll do that tomorrow, you're making a big assumption that you have a tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's really important to you, then just get it done. Um, don't keep putting off these things that was, oh yeah, I'll do that at some point. So I really want to do this, but I'll do it next week or whatever, because there is no next week, really. And that's partly why we got to the stage of, of doing this podcast here and now, actually, because it, you know, it's really important. It's really important that we it's really important that we have these conversations for ourselves, um, which obviously we were both passionate believers in conversation and process. Um, and it's really important that we get it out there because for both of us, of course, we're really here to help facilitate others. Um, so hopefully you who's listening uh, to to find your own way and what works for you so yeah that's really interesting really interesting and interestingly you say about 550 I love that because my favorite number is five or my favorite numbers is five and ten but quite often of course the ten is just a zero it's not just a a five so yeah there's definitely something in that i'm going to be up at 5 50 tomorrow just to to see what happens at that magical hour yeah it's a definitely um a magical time and it and it you know and again it could just be habit um but it's like i'll look at my watch and it's 5 50 and i think whoa mm. what's up with that <laughs> that is 
they reckon, don't they? That's just a little bit of a, a nudge, a connection to say that spirit's always with us. Yeah. I don't know quite how that works, but yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's so my sort of um, feel around the whole sort of death thing. But I've also, and maybe this is the last thing, <laughs> we, we, yeah, didn't, we, we, we didn't come here to talk about death today. Um, <laughs> but I was just having this conversation uh, with a family a couple of weeks ago, actually, that I don't want to, well, I don't want to have a funeral. I don't like going to them, so I don't want to have one of my own. <laughs> so my intent is to disappear into the desert so i want to do uh, the mm. native american indians had this kind of ceremony i think it was southwestern where the old when someone gets to the end of their time or usefulness and they just walk off into the desert and never come back that's how i want to go out man <laughs> i like that yeah. end of their time or usefulness that yeah. really for some reason that really resonates with me i really like that a lot Oh, that's giving me food for thought. I love that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so actually, you're right. We didn't consciously come here to talk about death today. Um, but in a way, we kind of have. So we're going to actually talk about exercise today and, and kind of a why is it worth my time? Um, and I'll explain kind of why that all came about in a minute. But actually, you know, we we can see the term death as this kind of big finite thing but actually we almost go through many little deaths in our time if we just see it as kind of a a moving on or a passing on somehow so you know kind of when we finish our job and we go to a new job that's like a little death or when we or relationship comes to an end that's like a little death how we change how we mature they may not be clear-cut you know, kind of births and deaths, but actually there is definitely something around it being a kind of a a gradual process that we kind of weave in and out of our lives as things change. So it's kind of like um, everything, you know, there's beginnings and endings. So we have these mini cycles of beginnings and ending. And if you look at life in its bigger sense, there's a beginning and there's an ending. Um, and so, yeah, there's micro sets of that. And then you've got the one big giant one. <laughs> I posted yeah, on my, yeah. my Facebook page, uh, um, a little meme that says, you know, one of something along the lines, one of my names is, um, death, but my real name is change or some, something along those lines. <laughs> nice. Uh, yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, <laughs> my name. Uh, do you know my name is Death, but my meaning is Change. Yeah. So it's um. Yeah, I think from a point of view of um looking at it that way, these beginnings and endings, and life is a series of these beginnings and endings, and that always you kind of sort of practice it for. So death is death is just one character I play. My real name is Change. That's the meme I've I posted. Um, and so I guess in some ways you can say, hey, we have a dress rehearsal for um, these things. But okay, so we might as well continue on this cycle of, of death and maybe we'll weave in some idea about movement and exercise. Because I'm just thinking, why do people fear fear death? There's a book um, 
or is, I think it's in it's in one of Steinbeck's books, maybe or Hemingway. I can't remember which, but I think it's Hemingway actually. For whom the bell tolls, or it's, it's one of those. Anyway, the the saying in this book is this: um, "Today is a good day to die," and if you live your life to the your full max pack with intensity each day then any day is a good day to die and, and throughout the, the book the characters in there say today is a good day to die in fact and then another guy has wrote a novel it's titled uh, good day to die and i and it, that always again s- stuck with me um from a sense of you know we have and maybe it's, it's a survival mechanism or whatever um, that we think that we're going to live forever, so we just put off this concept of death, um, and so and we act as if we have all the time in the world that we're immortal. Um, but in actuality, you could go at any you know second, and you know why not live your life with that in- that kind of intensity? And I don't know if that's what makes me more present focused than I am future or past focused or not. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of approach life in a sort of more in the present kind of now, because I can deal with the now. Um, yeah. Have yeah, you so. always been like that? Have you always been good at living in the present or was it, either a gradual process where you brought yourself into the present or was it a conscious decision that you had to no I've got to start living in the now um I think I've always been oriented towards the now but not with a conscious sense but just that I think I've just kind of liked life I don't know if that makes sense in that way it's just like now is the, the now I, it just always made sense to me that here's where things are happening right now. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I do think about the future, but I don't live for the future. Like some people, the, everything's happening in the future and they're working towards, which is probably why I don't do, and I know, you know, being a coach and all that stuff, I'm not all that goal-oriented and I don't really set goals, set intentions, but I don't really get all into the goal thing because it's like, you know, my goal is to be here now. I had a fact, I had an English teacher <laughs> That was his big thing was be here now. If he caught you daydreaming and stuff like that, he'd always yell at to the top of his lungs, be here now. Um, mm-hmm. So that stuck with me. I don't remember the English he taught, but he, two things he taught me was be here now. And he would never not let you answer a question. So if you said, I don't know, he would always go pretend you did know. What would you say? It was the uh, classic NLP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm trying, I mean, when you're asking a question, I'm trying to think back to, you know, when did it start? I don't think it, I think it was just the nature of, of, yeah, my nature, I guess. Well, I do, you know, I do daydream. I do imagine the future. I just don't spend a lot of time there. I do think about the past and, um, and that kind of thing. So I'm human like the next person. So I, you know, I, I have this ability, you know, you have a brain and it kind of dips into the past, dips into the future. But mostly my life is, you know, kind of here. So when people ask me, what am I doing? It's like, I find it, it boggles my mind when 
and people already have their life planned out even to the weekend. Like even Ruth would be like, oh, Friday. He's going to ask me Saturday. He asked me about that on Friday night. I have no idea about Saturday. Who cares? Um, ask me on Friday night, uh, and then I'll tell you. So, and I think that frustrates the heck out of it, but I just can't, don't, yeah, it's just, I'm here. <laughs> what do you want to know about now? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to think past tomorrow. Um. Yeah, yeah, just a, a thing. That is interesting, actually, because I, I used to know exactly what I was doing and when I was doing it, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, although, uh, and we've talked about this before on the podcast and very much off the podcast as well. So although my life is is quite highly planned that is generally because I still have a school run and uh you know and and children to be responsible for um but also because I just find it easier to manage my life that way but you're right actually when people ask me so if if you were to say to me so what are you doing at the weekend now as it happens this weekend I know what I'm doing because I'm going to be with my mum and my grandpa and and obviously giving them further support but um you know generally if you asked me what I was doing at the weekend I would have to really stop and think and come out of the flow of our conversation to kind of mentally run through my diary to see what was in on Saturday. And I never used to be like that. Mm. Um, but they say that, actually. I remember when uh, when our kids were younger, I remember reading something to do with relationships because obviously when children are young, relationships are under a lot of strain and a lot of pressure because you're needed so much every day by little people. And I remember reading, and and this must have been something that was kind of maybe uh, for older generations, shall we say. So when your husband comes home, don't ask him what happened during the day. You can ask him how he is. You can say it's nice to see you. You can give him a great big, you know, a passionate kiss like you talked about earlier. But don't ask him what's actually happened in the day because by the time your husband's got in and through the door, hopefully he has processed what's gone on in the day and kind of left it behind him. And when you say what happened, he has to mentally come out of the now to go back into the past to work out, A, what happened, and B, what does he need to tell you? As opposed to, yeah, the day was good, right, let's get on with feeding the kids or whatever it is. Um, and I obviously read that, and it was written for wives, for husbands. But if I stop and I think about it, and I think actually, from a commute point of view, you know, I used to like to have a commute that was at least 25 minutes, but ideally 45 to 50 minutes, because it took me that long to process through the day and walk through the door. So presumably it would be the same whether you're a wife or husband walking through the door if you're living in the present. Well, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I always had a, I mean, you know, I don't really talk about my work inside of the house because I always had this image of, you know, you go outside the gates, the moat, going outside Mm -hmm. the castle and you go and you do your thing and you come back, you don't bring any of that home with you. So, um, you know, my kids will often say, what actually do you do, Ruth? doesn't actually know what I do. It's definitely when I was in the army, she had no idea what I did. I just come home and all, you know, but it's it a process of coming, but then I'm done with that. And then I come through my, you know, I raise the drawbridge and that's it. And the rest of the world is out there and then I'm at home. So um, I think I found it hard 
not so much talking about, well, I didn't talk about what I did, but what I struggled with. Um, because I was an infantry officer and all day long I was having to make decisions, um, I didn't like making decisions when I got home. <laughs> so I used to hate the question, what do you want to do? What do you want to have to eat? What do you want to... So I actually, I don't want to make another decision. I've been making decisions all day long. I actually, and it, not in it, not... And his heart is, when you say I don't care, it always seems callous, but I literally really didn't care. Uh, it made no odds to me. Um, so it was, yeah, that was a, that was hard. If That was hard. Um, so this idea of, of living with that kind of intensity, like I said, the, the Bushido code, um, live as if you're already dead. Um, and therefore, you know, do everything as if it was your last. Um, Because I often think about and ask this question, and maybe even was dealing with this question um, this week, maybe. Partly it's this idea of, you know, have you done what you came here to do? Um, And if you're delaying that, are you making the assumption that you are going to be around tomorrow or the next day or the next week to do it? Um, and what would happen if you just assumed that you weren't going to be here again? Have you ever done uh, like a death meditation? As uh, tell me what you mean, because I think I I have, but I want to know exactly what you mean before I yeah. say yes. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, there's a couple of different versions of it. I mean, if you're into sort of Taoist stuff, um, you'll do it a serious death meditation as in you get put in the coffin and they throw the dirt on top of you um, and you don't know whether you're going to be in there one minute or three days or whatever. Mm. Um, and then when you get resurrected, there's the rebirth and all of that. But I haven't gone to that extent, but I have done the, a mental one of um, like if you were told that you had, um, imagine you had one year left to live, what would you do with that year? And then you just go through that meditation of what would you do in the year? Then you you got six months left to live. Then you have three months. Now you have a day left to live. What would you do? And what would you do in your final hour? <laughs> you know what my thing I wanted to do in my final hour? I can have a guess, but I'm not sure that I'm going to say it. Well, I wanted to be completely alone. I wanted everybody oh, go. Okay. And I wanted to be sat in my lounge chair with my cup of coffee. <laughs> okay, yeah. that was not where I was going yeah, at all. That was—that's how I <laughs> want to spend my last hour. You get all the emotion, bye byes, and all that stuff done now. Leave me be. <laughs> Let me have my last. Do you know? Hour. Yeah, and and that sounds so peaceful and beautiful, uh, and I can totally totally get that. So, in terms of of um, what the care home told us happened in grandma's kind of final well presumably sort of 10 minutes was she just said I'm, I'm going to have a nap now and then when they stuck their head around kind of 10 minutes later she'd gone so that's interesting it, isn't it just because I'm have you ever wondered what your final words are going to be mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dang is this it I'm done dang yeah well, yeah, whereas I think with her, and, and honestly, I've seen it. So I, I've seen a, a few dead bodies now, um, which 
probably sounds not in the way I meant it at all, but never mind. Um, and she was, so she, she was ready to go. She was peaceful. She, I, her, her whole demeanor, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and it just made me again, treasure kind of every moment. And so when you were talking earlier about the, the samurai code, living as if you're already dead, sort of that terminology doesn't necessarily work for me. But what I was thinking as you were saying that was, you know, actually for me, it's about how can I live from love? And from that place of living from love, how can I be right now? So, you know, when my teenage son decides that he's going to have a little bit of a oh, whatever teenage sons do. And I sort of, I say that, I, I, I know all teenage sons do this at some point. You know, it's actually right. How can I live from love? How can I communicate from love here? Because I do, I love, I love him with all my heart and my soul. I do everything. I do anything for him. I wouldn't do everything for him because I think he needs to be independent. But it's actually, how do I live from love? And when I saw my grandma, she looked like she lived from love. Um, and that was just, I, I, I've actually found it so inspiring. Um, and there's a few things that, uh, that I'm, I'm already making changes about as a result, but going back to your question. So have I done a death meditation? So, you know, funny enough, I haven't done the, you've got one year left, six months left and all the rest of it. I've kind of thought about it and made little changes as such, but I have done the death meditation of being in a coffin and, and so on and so forth. And I would highly recommend you read uh, the book Initiation by Elizabeth H. or Haig. I can't remember exactly how you pronounce her surname. I think you would find that very, very interesting. And it is it, it's it's multi-layered it's multi-fascinate fascinated oh that's an interesting thing I was going to say it's multifaceted, but it is indeed multi-fascinating um and I had to work really hard to read that book it took me about three months to read the first 30 pages I think and then after that it was kind of like right this isn't a book I can just pick up and read a chunk at a time it was, I'm going to read, for me anyway, a few pages before bed. Um, and I did that very consciously. I'm always very careful about what I read when I'm in bed because I know that it's going to affect my subconscious through the through the night. So that was a good book for me to read because it helped me make some, again, some big changes, some big progress, some big understandings about who I am, what I'm doing and what I'm not doing and what I want to do. Um, and, and the death process comes quite late in it, but I, I'd love it if you read it because I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, because I, I, like I said, a lot of my Taoist stuff there, we look at the Taoist wizards and that's a big part of it. And there's a book called Darkness Visible. Um, it features in that. It features in a lot of um, Taoist stuff, definitely. Um Darkness Visibles by Simon Buxton, I think, but that was more shamanic type stuff. Um, yeah, so you've made some changes, you said. What kind of changes or shifts that you've made now being this close to uh, death? Um, so, great question. And as we were talking before we started recording, at the moment I am having... Actually, the, the intensity that you talk about living your life with. So I, I, I was 
as I was just saying, for me, it's not about living life with intensity. It is about being conscious in every moment and and, and kind of connecting with, with love or whatever the word is you want to say. But the changes I've been making, things like, and, and this is a bit ironic and I do appreciate this, is today. Um, but it's actually, when I say something's going to take me an hour, is making sure that it takes me an hour um, and no longer. And maybe it can even take less. And I was talking with somebody yesterday from the the corporate side of of things, and they were talking about how um, meetings these days, kind of, you know, we're having meetings for the sake of meetings kind of thing. And a lot of the stuff that I I teach in the Franklin Covey side of things when we're talking about uh, the seven habits of highly effective people and then leadership and, and change as a result of that is that actually we don't necessarily need to have meetings for as long as, as we think we do. And sometimes you can just have a 10 minute meeting whereby you simply hop into the meeting, you know what everybody's going to share in so much as, right, this is my update for the week and this is what I'm having problems with. You don't sit down for the meeting. You might all meet and stand up. Nobody sits down, at which point the meeting can be very effective and be very quick. And actually, time has always been something that I, um, I st- I'm going to say struggle with, but time has always been something whereby if I'm talking with people, I can talk and talk and talk and I can listen and I can listen and I can listen. And that can go on forever and ever and ever kind of thing. And actually it's about, there's times when that's appropriate and necessary. And then there's times when actually it's about having that focus and how do we essentially intensify the experience so that we can process more effectively Okay. So I think the time thing, again, is an interesting one. And, you know, there's a saying that how you spend your moments is how you spend your days. Um, And again, like if you're, so time is a false construct. That's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. And so it's been in, invented. And so we've gotten to this habit and we all wear these slave devices on our arms and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Because we're, we're a slave to the clock. Again, a false construct that came into existence mainly around the industrial revolution and having to be in the factories at the same time and all that kind of stuff. Um, And if you can let go of that and let go of this being a slave to time, again, from a well-being point of view, um, you can find more inner peace with yourself by not being a slave to time um and it's hard to do because the rest of the world around you is pushing for time time to do this what time to do that you know and um and you're always we're we're just oriented on time um but if you think like when you're on holiday and you're not so pressured for time and think how much how life feels when you're not living according to the clock you're not even caring what time it is um and it's crazy that, you know, we only reserve that time for when we're on holiday, um, when you can have that kind of peace in your daily life if, you know, you were less ruled by time. Um, what's this? Tom Hodgkinson has his book, uh, and also one of my favorite philosophers, um, 
this dude here who wrote um, The Art of Living. And again, just a proponent of um, the art of being idle. But this one's called The Importance of Living, the new tang. Um, but um, it inspired um, this Tom, Tom Hopkinson to write a book called uh, Be an Idol or The Art of Being Idol or something like that, um, in which he kind of adopted that kind of life. So him and his wife sold everything um, and they move out to the country and, and live a kind of very sort of sustainable life on the farm, that kind of thing. So that mm. they are, you know, and, you know, being okay with taking naps in the middle of the day and uh, sitting under the tree if you just want to, you know, whittle away a stick and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there's something about um, celebrating idleness, which we don't do because. We have this in the Western society. We got a big push for the you know, idleness is the devil's workshop. I don't know if your <laughs> parents used to or grandparents used to throw that one around, but you know that's a an old one, isn't it? It's a, your idle mind's the devil workshop. So we're always got to be productive, being productive, and having a a diary. And I was looking at someone's diary the other day, um, and they had every single there was they wanted to have a meeting. And there wasn't a single space in the because everything was back to back to back to back. Only thing I could find was, I was like, well, only thing I can do is interrupt your lunch because it was the only time um, that was available was to say, uh, to to take, don't have lunch because <laughs> they have the, and literally there's like no space. I was like, how can you, um, well, it's just a crazy way to organize or, yeah, I don't know. It was just mad because, yeah, there's being ruled by um, time. And I get that, you know, it's a hard one because that's what society kind of pushes. And being productive is, you know, the buzzword and productivity and all the productivity apps and all these things to make you more efficient. Um, and I guess you'd have to stop and ask the question to make you more efficient at what or to what end. And I don't know the answer to that. What's the answer to that question? What does it make you more efficient to what end? So it's a great question. And th there's a few things that I've kind of played with, if you like, or ruminated on over the years. And one of the key ones is uh, about effectiveness versus efficiency. And when I started to realise that there was a big difference between being effective and being efficient, then for me, it's about, is this effective? And but what's the end of that though? If it, whether you call it effectiveness, efficient or productivity, or what well, is the end result of that? Well, I mean, the it, end, it, it, so it is different. Yeah. Okay. Cause no, I, no, can I, be I, efficient. Do, I do get that they're different. Um, but to what end still, either one, whichever one you pick, or all three, productivity, efficient, effectiveness, to what end? So on a, a very kind of, um, I'm not sure of the right word, shallow is not the right word, but I can't think of, superficial maybe, um, then it's about getting things done. Because we like to get things done. We feel you know, it makes us feel good to tick off our to-do lists uh, or whatever. See, I would dispute that, but go on, carry on. Well, yeah. Yes, it doesn't surprise me you would dispute that. So that's kind of a, a surface thing. Um, 
when you start to go down the personal development route or the self-development route further, then it is about understanding why you're doing this. What are you trying to achieve? So if I want to clean my windows, there's a whole way, you know, variety of ways in which I can do that. I can get out the, the bucket of hot soapy water or vinegar or whatever. I can use a normal cloth or I could use newspaper um, or I could pay a window cleaner to do it or I could ask my kids to do it. And all of those things will get the job done because I want to be able to see through my windows. I like the light coming into my house. That makes me feel better, happier, more joyful. I can see things more easily. I don't have to switch my lights on. I prefer natural daylight. So there is no single answer. And and in just sharing that example, what I'm trying to do is to, to share how different things will be effective or efficient at different times. Yeah. So I I get the, you know, being effective. So you're able to get something done in the most effective manner, uh, impact, I guess, if we go on it. And then efficient, you know, you could look at efficient, like when you're running, you know, you can run. um, But if you run more efficiently, then you can go further. You can go faster if you run efficiently. Um, And at the same time, you're more effective runner. So you're both. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive or at odds with each other. Um, in fact, efficiency might help your effectiveness um, in that sense. Absolutely. Um, but it's like, um, I guess I'm looking at in the whole big life thing. So people make to-do lists and I want to check off the to-do list. I want to be organized. I want to be, and is that so that we can do more things in quotation marks? Um we can achieve more uh, in quotation marks again, and and as a and it's that kind of thing that I think that for that you know if I would go onto the internet right now and I would go onto any any Huffington Post or go into um, Flipboard or any of those you know all the time you're being bombarded with you know do more have more. Um, you know, so be more productive, be more, you know, healthy, do, you know, all these things that we've turned into these tasks that then have to fill a to-do list and you've got to, and it's like, can people, you know, have we forgotten how to just like live? Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're kind of present, you kind of live, you know, it's living your life, um, you know, in your present sort of moment, then why do you need to have all these efficiency, goal-driving, productivity things if you're focused on living? Um, Or is it that, you know, you want to do all those things now so you can focus on living later? So back to our initial conversation is we assume that we have it later, so I'll be efficient or effective now because then I can use, I'll have more time, quotation marks again, um, in some future point in time. Again, assuming that um, you get to that point. Um, so, yeah, um, and that's, I think that's what 
you know, I, I, I'm going to say, do I struggle with it? I don't struggle with it because I don't live my life in that way. Um, is trying to understand others and how, how caught up people are in, not to say that you know, my way is a right way or that kind of way is a right way, but I just try to wonder what makes people get caught into that sort of trap. I was, I did a, I'm working on a video, um, I actually reshot it, but it made a different version of it. But it was, um, it's uh, basically it took three things about um, wealth, happiness, and peace. But very simplistic in the in the very Taoist sort of sense. So, um, it's wealth is contentment. So to be wealthy is to be content. As in, be content, not wealthy. Your wealth is contentment is wealth. Basically, is mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Wealth doesn't have to be financial. Yeah. No. It's it's, it's in the content and to be happy is to let go of um i'll just read it the greatest wealth is contentment the greatest happiness is freedom from opinions the greatest peace is attained through the abandonment of desires um and when you kind of dissect that it brings you into a space of inner peace especially that last one for me. So, you know, mm. we have these desires for all these things. And I'm always a big proponent, that, you know, from a Zen point of view, um, the moment you desire something, whatever it is, um, it means you lack something. And then creating that dual, dual duplicity, duality, um, that causes the discontentment because I desire to have more of whatever. It just means you don't have it which creates lack in yourself, which then creates this loop that I've got to do more, be more, so I can get this thing, whatever that is, doesn't matter what it is, um, if you desire it, you lack it, hence discontent. So I think in this statement here, uh, you know, if you abandon these desires, then you're you're there. (laughs) You've got the thing that you're after. (laughs) That's really interesting because... When you explained all of that, I was kind of like, yeah, I can totally see that abandonment of desires you know, would be peace. And I, and I like all of those. I think they're absolutely great. Um, but interestingly, when you then kind of carried on and sort of saying, well, once I desire something, then I'm aware that I don't have it. And this is really interesting. I've always enjoyed delayed gratification. And I say that and kind of pause because I'm I'm now kind of recognising that that's sort of been changing for me of late. But so kind of let's say in the early part of my life or the, the first part of my life, depending on <laughs> who knows. But I've always loved like knowing that I want something and knowing that I can have it or work towards it and it's going to happen I really used to enjoy that process, whatever it was. So whether it was saving up for something or 
um, whether it was, uh, you know, kind of a, let's say a party or some kind of get together. And I was always, you know, excited because I knew that I would enjoy it because there was going to be really cool people there that I enjoyed hanging out with, conversations to be had or whatever it might be. So, but in terms of what you've just said, it's kind of like, yeah, well, hang on though. And lately I've noticed, like, if I really want something, um, and I don't know if this is an age thing or if this is we're in a world of instant gratification, but if I want something, because I can just hop onto Amazon and buy it and it's kind of with me the next day, pretty much, when that doesn't happen, I either kind of go a bit, mm, well, I'm not sure if I want it now, or if I can't get, you know, let's say I'm, and then we'll say I'm too busy because I'm doing something with the children and what have you, and I haven't got time to go onto Amazon and order it. And I'm, I'm using Amazon because it's a, an example that I think most people relate to. But if I haven't got time to actually go and order it, it kind of almost bugs me. It's in my head that's like, oh, I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. And it's like it's taking up part of my brain energy because I know I want this or I need it but I haven't yet ordered it. So I haven't yet done my part towards getting it. Mm. So that's really curious because that's very different from that delayed gratification of right. Ooh, you know, I know I, I'm going to get that book and I can't wait to get that book. And that's really exciting. Um, as opposed to, I want it now. <laughs> I want it now. And you can look at that on a number of different levels. I mean, if we, on the one level, if considering the theme that we've, started off here and i guess that's what this podcast is going to be about today <laughs> forget forget about movement and exercise yeah. um you know to delay again you just just a massive assumption that you're going to be around to get it um yeah and and then what's you know yeah that, that yeah that yeah that you'll be around to have it um but then there's there and then you can see the as you say, everybody wants everything now. And again, it's like, we, do we have patience to wait for things? No, I want it now. Because it is an instant society. You just get it now. <laughs> Who wants to wait for something? i got to wait three days. In fact, I did exactly what you just said. Here, there was something on Amazon. And I'm used to Amazon, you know, I, I get it tomorrow or the next day at the latest. And it said 24 August. I was like, I ain't getting that. I don't even want it now. Do you know what I mean? It was like, okay, well, forget it. I don't want that. I'll go find something else. If you can't get me the thing to me tomorrow, then, you know, you're not getting my business and forget about it if I got to wait to the 24th of August. But saying that, last week I ordered something and I really wanted this. And it isn't going to come until late August but then it's easy. I say, well, I'll order it and then just forget about it. Then I'll be surprised when it comes. So, so like right now, if you ask me what it is, I couldn't tell you. I'm just just yeah, having yeah. this conversation now just triggered the fact that I ordered something that I noticed it's not coming until late August. But because I really wanted the thing, then I ordered it and then I'll just forgot about it. Then it'll be a surprise when it comes. Whereas this thing today, it was like, bump that. I, I, you know, I guess that's a test of my resolve. Yeah, I actually didn't really want to really care if I can't, yeah. if I can't have it tomorrow. Because if it was available, I would have got it. Yeah. But because yeah. It, I couldn't get it tomorrow or the next day, it's like, bump it. I'll do something else. That's so that's it. interesting. Oh, we're not unusual in that. 
And mm. so there's got to be something in that. There's got to be something. But and it is. But, uh, well, I mean, there is. I mean, there's consumerism. I mean, we, we've got to do an episode at some point on consumerism because it's a world that's designed, that's made us consumers. We're no longer farmers, um, mm. you know, and planting stuff and doing that kind of thing. So all we can do to occupy people is we've turned them into consumer. We're consumer units. A whole of our societies organize around uh, us consuming stuff. Um, otherwise, what do you do with people? If you weren't out, if everybody didn't have to work and make money to to go buy things, what would you do with people? How would you govern a country if your people didn't have anything to do? So I've got to create a system that makes them. I mean, think of the concept of money. I mean, it's stupid. It's pieces of paper that actually is nothing, but mm. it just has a concept in our head. But you cannot live. The the structure has been designed against you, so you can't live without it. You have to have it. You want to eat? You want to have a roof over your head? Well, you got to get some money. You want to get, unless you inherit it from a parent or something, um, then you're forced to be in the system. Um, and, you know, sort of do the work. And it's only been in the last, you know, I guess part of our lifetime um, that we've opened up choice in the things that you can do. So, you know, there was not too recent past this idea, you know, you just go get a job. doesn't matter what the job is because you just need to work um, and work isn't about happiness. And then somewhere in the 80s, it became, you know, yes, do the, you know, do the work that makes you happy, all that kind of, happy mm. horse shit that we that we sprout about you know being happy and enjoying what you do and all that kind of stuff um you know that's a recent construct of you know being happy um doing what you do and, and that kind of thing where you know prior to that it wasn't you know you get out you just work and your expectation is to work like a dog <laughs> and then you know and then that allows you to you know live in the society, get your little house and your picket fence and have some kids and work until we don't need you anymore and then we discard you and then you can retire. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird old system that we have that's kind of in place. Mm. Um, and so much of it, it's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's I question it often. I know that, you know, in reality, it is the reality that we have. Um, but it is a, a pretty absurd world. And this is, you know, I think why mainly I'm an existentialist because um, life is absurd. Um, and, it, you know, absolutely, when you sit down and you really think about it, it absolutely makes no sense, the stuff that we get up to, the stuff that we do. This whole idea of a rat race and, you know, look at cars. Why mm. do we have so many variety of cars? Mm-hmm. And then the only reason why I have a 150,000 pound car is so that you look at it and you know, well, that guy has to have, or that girl has to have lots of money to be able to afford a car. This is a status thing. Yeah. But on the roads out here, it shouldn't be going past the speed limit anyway. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so in essence, you know, you got to drive on the roads the same way I drive with my, you know, my little beat up truck I got out here. But it's a status thing. But it's mm-hmm. also like, okay, well, the person's got to have something to do with their money. 
um, as distinguished from you know me who doesn't have it. Because if 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 that person only had access to the same level car that I had, then what would be the point of working hard or being in the system? Mm. Do you know what I mean? So the incentive is if I you do this and you can get the bigger, faster car. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Absolutely, it's just my it boggles my mind the how our society is structured. Um, and and that we all buy into it when we actually don't have to, but we do. Mm. Um, yeah, that's me on my soapbox. <laughs> yeah, it was you on your soapbox. I'll get off of yeah, my soapbox now. We, we, we will do a whole episode on consumerism. On consumers. I like that, yeah, and consumerism. Yeah. I think that's really important because actually it does tap into so much of what self-development is about. Um, so, yes, we'll definitely do that. But, and that really brings us to a, a close for today. So, obviously, we didn't talk about what we were going to talk about, which kind of makes no difference to anybody that's listening because we've been talking about death. And really, it was something that you said quite early on, but actually it's about death is simply another name for change. And it's really, I think, about us finding more of a conscious way to change throughout our life uh, in the ways or, or for reasons of our own at the time. Yeah, and I think for me it's about like living while you're alive. Mm. I think that's the whole thing for me. It's like, you know, be here now, do what it is that you want to do, um, because, yeah, the whole 550 thing, you, you you don't know if you've got five minutes or 50 years left. So if there's something that you've been meaning yeah. to do, wanting to do, you know, don't put it off because, you know, you might not have that time um, to do it. So, mm. so live here, get it done now. Mm. And get to the point where you can... Every day when you wake up, you can say, without any reservation, today is a good day to die. Mm, I love that. I love that. Right. Okay. Oh, that's been really interesting. Oh, well, I found it really interesting. Yeah, I'm right. hoping it's that good. everyone listening has as well. Um, obviously, if, if you're, you've found it as interesting as we have, then you know the drill. Please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, so like what we do, share it with people who you think might want to be listening as well, because we, we really want to reach a bigger audience and, and, um, and share our, I don't know, I want to say share our fun kind of far and wide and subscribe to it so that we know that you value what we're sharing you can obviously join us on um on social media i clearly because of my personal circumstance at the moment i'm not on social media that much at the moment so i apologize in advance for that but come and join us in the facebook group contribute to the conversation start a conversation if i'm not around um that would be great and yeah just come and find us and hang out with us i think isn't that right clay that's the gig. And if you aren't commenting and liking and sharing because you're too busy, then listen to this episode again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And remember, every day is a good day to die. And <laughs> as a result of that, just let us know you like it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Don't, don't put it off. Don't put it off to next week. I'll do next. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do the liking when I go into my. No, do it now. Right this yeah. second. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>